Please pray with me. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Well, of all the beautiful expressions of the Christian faith throughout the world, there is something about our Episcopal and Anglican tradition that is especially tied to the rhythms and realities of everyday life, morning and evening, seed time and harvest, work and rest, hearth and home, life and death and new life. And this is probably because our tradition, while it certainly has its great cathedrals and its lofty ideas, it has at its heart the life of the little parish churches set in the fields and villages of the English countryside. Fields and villages and churches not much unlike our own. Now the theological aspect, the theological word for this aspect of our faith is incarnational. The Episcopal and the Anglican tradition can so easily connect to Jesus in the everyday because it has a special attachment to the doctrine of his incarnation, that our Lord took on our humanity and dwelt among us. You see, Jesus is very God, but he's also a man of fields and villages who loved to speak of seeds and soil and flocks and vineyards who worked with his hands and was at home on dusty roads and in rugged fishing boats, who when he reconciled heaven and earth, creator and creation, he did not do it with with ideas, but with the breaking of his body and the shedding of his blood. And who when he rose again, initiating a new creation, appeared to his disciples and showed them his very real scarred hand and ate and drank with them once again in borrowed rooms and in roadside inns and around lakeshore campfires. Our Lord, who when he had ascended into heaven, left with us not a philosophy or merely a system of thought or a code of conduct, but a way of life, empowered by the Holy Spirit and shaped by those very rhythms of everyday life in which he is most real to us, most present with us, through the everyday realities of water and oil and bread and wine. And so this ancient custom of rogation which we observe today, perhaps it was so beloved by our English forebears in the faith because it so clearly points to the reality of the incarnation. It so clearly demonstrates that the work of God and the presence of Christ even though most uniquely powerful in what we do here, it is nevertheless not limited to within these walls. That just as the grace of God is poured into our hearts in the waters of baptism, so his grace flows in the waters of the butternut and from every cloud of rain. And just as Christ feeds us with his body and blood in the bread and wine of the Eucharist, so too all our daily food and drink are an encounter with his love. And just as we are called to cherish and care for this, God's house, so too are we called to care for the earth which is full of his glory. 
And just as we come here to bear fruit for his kingdom in our hearts, so too does Christ choose us and appoint us, whom he calls his friends, to go forth and bear fruit, fruit that will last in the world. And not just with our hearts, but with our hands, and not only in our words, but in our deeds, and just as surely with the tools of our daily vocations as with the vessels of the altar. Rogation comes from the Latin to ask. This is the season of asking. And we ask as Christ commands us in his name, which means in accord with his loving will. We ask the Father to work through us that our lands and our waters, that the produce of our labors, that the life of our communities might be blessed to his honor and his glory. We ask the Son to be, through us, his body in this place, incarnate in its everyday realities and rhythms. And we ask the Holy Spirit to go through us, out from this place, into these fields and villages and beyond, testifying in our daily lives to the truth of his love. And we have been promised that whatsoever we ask in this way shall be given to us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.